This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG-13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, everyone. I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to a brand new episode of Hi, Jinx, with me. Jinx Monsoon. You know, the year is ending. We're about to start a new one. Wintertime is a time for reflection. It's a time of transition. It's a time of old things going on the way out and new things coming on the way in. And I can't think of a better guest for this time of year than our guest today, Caitlin Doty, who is best known for her Ask a Mortician series. Caitlin is an advocate for death acceptance, and she helps people process their feelings around death by telling you very matter-of-fact, unemotional (laughs) statements about what's going to happen to you when you die. It sounds confronting, but it's actually really, really comforting. And I think you're really going to enjoy our conversation today. It's unlike any conversation I've had on hijinks before, but that's what hijinks is all about. So hunker down, sink your teeth into, and buckle up for some brand new hijinks. And I hope you have a happy, happy holidays. M. Oh. M. Mom! everyone, I'm Jinx Monsoon, and welcome to Hi Jinx, a podcast where I, an internationally tolerated drag superstar, get to interview compelling and fascinating people about how they became who they are and why they do what they do. Today we are joined by mortician, author, and advocate for death acceptance, Caitlin Doty. Hi, Caitlin. Hi, Jinx. (laughs) So, my listeners may be most familiar with you in the same way that I'm most familiar with you um, through your YouTube series, Ask a Mortician. Um, If they are not, they should go get into this because (laughs) I will tell you, it was my housemate and best friend, Kenny, who started putting your YouTube series on. And I am probably your target audience because I am deathly afraid of death. 
<laughs> don't like talking about it much. I have an aversion to it. I'm one of those people who laughs when we like uh, talk about death because I get so uncomfortable. Only deaths that are like at least 10 years old or something kind of have no weight in, inside of me anymore. And it's just because my body forgot about them. <laughs> um, why don't we start with talking about what led you to your YouTube series? And why don't you explain what an advocate for death acceptance is? <laughs> well, first of all, hi, Kenny. Thanks for uh, <laughs> leading me here today. Usually I'm just doing morning NPR interviews about like human composting legalization. So this this podcast is a very fun, a fun detour from that. Yeah, I mm -hmm. was a pretty death-obsessed child, as a lot of children are, if we really gave them free reign to experience their, you know, sow their morbid oats, I think a lot of people would be. And I mm -hmm. was a medieval history major in college. I studied the the late medieval witchcraft trials and demonic babies that that allegedly came from medieval witch sex, which spoiler, they did not. We can go into that later or not at all. I'll just gloss over that part of my life. But I was very interested in death both um, in the real world and academically. But when I graduated from, from college, I really wanted to work in the death industry and see what was actually happening behind the scenes. And so when I was 22, 23 years old, I started working as a crematory operator. And I was the one that actually cremated the bodies, just me, some like silly 22-year-old girl in my little dress back there scraping bones out of an <laughs> oven. And it was this wildly confronting time in my life because like you and probably a lot of other people, I had a weird relationship with death and a kind of painful one. And the amount of exposure that I got just to dead bodies every day and to grieving and to the, the fact, the existential fact of my own death was strangely so healing and changed so much about my life and made me engage with life so much more. And so I was in, went to mortuary school, continued in the industry. And I guess more than 10 years ago, 2011, I started my YouTube channel. And when I say the beginning of this channel, it was what? It was me on an old MacBook just kind of looking into it and like, I mean, I didn't actually, yeah. like, you can't see me turn on the camera at the beginning and awkwardly turn it off at the end, but it's about that level. And at that time, if you had told me I would still be doing YouTube 10 plus years later, I would have been like, oh, that's so sad. But now YouTube is, actually, it's, it's my favorite thing to do still. And there's so much freedom in it. And the movement that has been built up around this death acceptance, we call it death positivity. It's such a, a diverse, rich, awesome movement with people who are facing their fears and making death more equitable and eco-friendly for everyone. And it's just, it's just such a fun uh, group of people and actually kind of nice, weirdly nice pocket to, to inhabit on the internet. I will say, I mean, as someone who is still trying to find a way to become immortal, um, like if a vampire showed up at my door right now, I'd probably take it. But that's just because where I'm at with death, you know? But <laughs> um, I will say, watching your channel and seeing the ease and comfort in which you talk about death and just seeing that there is... Pe uh, there are people who know a lot about death 
and seem really well adjusted and seem really okay with the topic. Um, it makes me think, oh, I could get there, you know? And, and hearing the way you talk so matter-of-factly about death, well, it kind of reminds me, um, I um, had a fling with a mortician once. Oh, and, same more. Um, <laughs> in Liverpool, um, we're still very good friends. Um, uh, one time we were making out, and he was rubbing the back of my head, and he felt right behind my ears, and he said... Oh, darling, you have the most lovely pronounced globular mastoids. <laughs> and I was... <laughs> and there was... Say, did I say that right? Go, globular mastoids? Anyway, um, he's a forensic anthropologist as well, so bones really do it for him or something. There's something about hanging out with people who are very chill with death, where... I don't know, maybe it transfers through um, osmosis or maybe it's just seeing seeing, uh, seeing what you could be, you know, like seeing how you could get to a place with death. It, it inspires me to do my own work with it and try to and try to feel better about, you know, the inevitability. <laughs> Absolutely. I, I hope it does that. But it's it's very hard one. You know, when somebody tells mm-hmm. me, I'm not afraid of death. Like, I just don't even, or let's, it's usually, let's be real here. It's usually a man who's like, listen, mm-hmm. I don't need that. I don't even like vibe with that negativity. I'm not worried about death. All I can think of is first, I don't believe you. And second, you have <laughs> not actually stood in the gaping maw of the reality of your own <laughs> physical and mental and emotional death. Because the people who have done that and kind of clawed their way out of it or found ways to work with it, you know, I think that's probably, you would probably say this is true in your work too. Like when you go out and perform everything about you, your your character and what you can come up with and how you present yourself is something that's hard won. You're not yeah. sort of fresh off and, and what people are and responding to. you continue to. to work on. Exactly. And what people are, yeah, and that's yeah. your relationship with death. It is not like... You know, you kind of come day, one day you come to like a fun, uh, like denouement (laughs) with it. And then you're like, all done, peace, like, thanks, death. It's a constant relationship that you have to have with it. And every time something happens, like your mom dies or you lose your job or you break up with your partner, that's a death. And that's a whole nother, like it will stir up all the death emotions in you. So I, I hope to be an example of people, for people of just someone who, yeah, I seem really chill with death, but that's also an ongoing process. And it's also a hard one process. Mm-hmm. And to be able to dance with death and laugh with it, that's a lifelong journey. Yeah. I, you know, that does, you said to laugh with it. And I got to say, one thing that my family has always been really great with, because my, my family, I think, tried in their own Catholic way to make me feel okay with death. And you know, I got to say, when you, when you subscribe to a faith that um, promises an afterlife, um, and that's what you are led to believe for a certain amount of time. And then say you become an adult who has huge qualms with organized religion and then really pull away from orga- organized faith. 
And then you find yourself like, well, I don't really believe what they taught me, but I do want to keep the thought of an afterlife. <laughs> like, but what I will say, my family was always good about helping me have a sense of humor about almost anything. And I remember on the day of my um, uncle's funeral, everything was going wrong. And every time something went wrong, we all would laugh because we felt like it was my Uncle Mark playing jokes on us. Um, <laughs> is there, what is a mortician's sense of humor like? And what kind of jokes do morticians make to each other? <laughs> well, yeah, mortician humor is very gallows humor. I mean, it's kind of the essential, like, er definition of gallows humor, right? Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's very, it can be very dark. Although I will say that most of the, the people that I know in the funeral industry try very hard never to make fun of the bodies themselves, or mm -hmm. the families yeah. or any of that because you just don't want to go down that road. You have to keep it to uh, your own reactions or, or maybe like making fun mm -hmm. of the cause of death or or something that's like um, even that not with a particular person. Um, but but yeah. it can be very dark and it has to be because you're really in the trenches emotionally doing this work. Um, but I I would love to talk to you more about Catholics and death because Catholics <laughs> are some of my absolute favorites around death. Oh, so right now, listen, we have the, the yeah. time. <laughs> <laughs> and what the, oh, is always so amazing to me about Catholics is that right now we're trying to legalize two greener, different death options in the United States. One is aquamation, which is like a water cremation. And one is human composting, which is the body and wood chips and your body becomes soil. And our biggest opponents to getting these legalized in each state is the Catholic Church coming out against this and saying it's disrespectful. And what's so interesting to me about that always is that the Catholics are the ones who go off with the jeweled bones and the relics and the, <laughs> you know, the Nutita skulls. And, and the thing is that the Catholics were the ones that sort of came so hard originally with all of the bones and the and the veneration and the saints and, and all of that sort of interesting stuff. And then the cat got out of the bag. And it seems like the Catholics have been trying to put the cat back in the bag for, <laughs> for uh, like thousands. <laughs> Thousands of years, you know, not that, but like, you know, um, just, well, my medieval history professors would always say, you don't call the Catholic church prior to the Reformation. It's just the church because that was the church. But yeah, it's, it's so fascinating to me that the Catholics are like, oh, we, we cannot do that. That's disrespectful to the dead body. It's like, but you are the, you are the kings and queens of all the cool, weird stuff that is done with the dead body. Like embrace the sort of macabre, interesting realness that comes with being like a true Catholic that worships finger bones and saints' tongues and pieces of hair and, and, and toe bones and like carries a skull down the street and puts flowers or jewels in. Like that's, that's the Catholic way. That, um, oh my gosh, Caitlin, I would love for you to see the holiday show I'm touring with right now because we don't talk about death as much, but I, as an entertainer, um, I mean, most of my material is very, um, very focused on slut celebration, but okay, a lot great. of my material is also focused on talking about, let's say, incongruencies. Um, I don't go as far as to say hypocrisies, but it's hypocrisy. Um, <laughs> but a lot of, a lot of um, what we're talking about with the church, where where they want the power to do 
whatever they want to do. And then they want the power to tell everyone else not to do the exact same thing. <laughs> no, it's true. This Catholic- is what we're finding in all these states. You'll have like, you know, the Catholic, every every other religion is okay with that. In a lot of these states, we're even getting the funeral directors associations to not oppose the bill, which is wild because the funeral directors are more conservative than the Catholics. So even we don't even have them doing it. And then the Catholics show up and they're like, um, excuse me, I would like to say that a human is not a banana peel and should not be in compost. I'm like, okay, well, then then don't put your grandpa in the compost pile. But these environmental yeah. activists or like consumer choice advocates want to be able to compost their dead bodies. And that's okay, Absolutely. right? What are you fighting for here? <laughs> What's going on? Um, and you know... And, Choices are, uh, I don't know, everyone should be able to make their own choice. We have we have shirts that say our corpse, our choice, my corpse, my choice, because it's important. And that's one thing, you know, have you thought about what you want done with your body when you die? You know, I was going to save this for the end, but yes, I will share with you what I what my fantasy has been. But I do want to take a moment because I know from watching your channel, um, we're talking about the Catholic Church right now, but um, you have explained on your channel just how limited our freedoms with our corpse actually are, you know, compared to what you might think, like your body, you're dead, you can donate it to science, you can donate your organs, you can be cremated, you can be buried. And then if you try to do kind of anything outside of the normal, uh, it's it's much harder than you'd think. It is. Um, and there, there are some things that are actually easier than people think. So for example, you can keep your loved one's body at home. Say that you're, you know, your part, sorry to kill people's partners off, but if you say your partner dies, you don't, it's not, if you know why they're going to die, I mean, if it's a horrible murder, call the police, but if it was an expected death, it's not an emergency. They're dead now and they're going to be dead five hours from now and they're going to be dead 10 hours from now. They're going to be dead two days from now. So you're allowed to just sit there and take the time and have people over if you want or sing songs or hold their hand. And people say that that the moment that someone goes down to room temperature or something just shifts in the room, whether it's whether you're a spiritual person or not, something just shifts and you know that's the time that you're able to let them go because it's it's clicked in your mind that they're really dead. And so around that, you have a lot more power. But around what actually you do with your dead body, that's the trouble with all this legalization stuff we're working on, is it's state by state. If I want to put dad in a nice little composting thing to, to make him soil, to, to put him in the forest, that's state. We only have five states where that's legal right now. And it's state by state by state by state, new bills, new fights every time. And, you know, people ask all the time, why can't I keep my dad's skull on the mantelpiece? You know, why can't I do an alas poor Yorick with, with my dad or with my husband? And... The reason for that is something called abuse of corpse laws, which basically means that anything we don't consider quote unquote normal or what a normal family would do, we can't do in in American death care, which of course is extremely silly, but it's it's the reality that we're dealing with. A 
Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. It's so funny because everything you say incites a new thing that I want to talk about or ask. Um, you asked me a bit ago what my plan was with my body after I die, if if I ever do. Um, <laughs> I have some I have bad news. <laughs> I have joked about this for years. I don't think it's actually in line with... Um, my my philosophies and my worldview now, but I would like to hear your take on this. I have had a thought for forever that what I want is for my body to be strapped to something that's going to be leaving the Earth's atmosphere, like a rocket ship, so that upon exiting the Earth's atmosphere, my body would burn up and then just become part of the atmosphere <laughs> or rain back down on Earth. <laughs> What's the likelihood of me pulling this off? <laughs> yes. Can you do this for me? Um, well, you know, I mean, I, I think that your your desire is not that not entirely unique because there are companies that will shoot little portions of your ashes into space. So it's oh, it's wow. not exactly what you want, but it's you'd have to be pre pre-mated, pre-cremated mm-hmm. here on Earth, <laughs> and then and then shot up, um, you know. But I, I really do think that as we are going to space and billionaires are going to space, and it seems like everyone's going to space, there's going to be more desire to have death care that that bridges that liminal space <laughs> between Earth and the atmosphere yeah. and outer space. So I think, although. You know, I, I actually did something about this in my in my third book. Um, what was questions from kids about dead bodies, and one of them was about dead bodies in space. And mm-hmm. your body, if it really got into orbit, which obviously it wouldn't make it out of the atmosphere if you were strapped to a rocket, but if it really <laughs> got into orbit, like you're already in space, it would kind of just become space trash and go mm-hmm. on the on the orbit that it that it started in, and just circle around. <laughs> and every once in a while, you go hello. You know, hijinks would be like waving to your body out of the space shuttle. Yeah, it could be an by. annual celebration. Right, you could have a big, you could have a big gown birthday. that's flowing <laughs> that just kind of floats around after you. I could, I, I could see that too. We'll see. Well, I mean, by the time that you actually die, which I, I do still think you're probably going to have to do. I hate to say, but when that actually happens, I think that you'll have even more exciting options. That we can that yeah. we can talk about at that time. Well, what I will say is that you know, 
Oh, and one thing I want to mention about the Catholic Church, which is always <laughs> cracking me up, is he, just hearing you talking about the way they treated dead bodies, especially in the old, old school Catholic Church. Um, it's what I'm constantly saying. So I was raised by my mother, my aunt, and my grandmother, who all my aunt my aunt was definitely claimed uh, followed Buddhist practices much more than Catholicism, but they were all you know essentially Catholic, but they didn't really practice Catholicism. They just kind of took the rituals they liked from Catholicism, and built their own rituals stemming out of that. And so I always say I was raised by witches who didn't self-identify as witches. Totally, so. that's the best part about the Catholic Church <laughs> is that it's so it's so syncretic. So I was able to travel to Bolivia, and mm -hmm. on on All Souls Day they have something called the the Festival of Nyatitas, or around All Souls Day they have something called the Festival of the Nyatitas. And what the Nyatitas are are these skulls that are not. It's usually it's usually women who have them, and they have a whole fleet of them. And they're not mm -hmm. the skulls of their relatives; they're skulls that they have obtained from cemeteries mm -hmm. that have sort of overflowing um, crypts or ossuaries, or from medical museums. They obtain they they adopt these skulls, and they give personas to the skulls, and they put a cotton in their eyeballs and cover them with flowers, and they have cigarettes sticking out of their little mm -hmm. skull mouths. And mm -hmm. th these women are ostensibly, they're, they're Catholic, but they use these skulls as intermediaries with the beyond. And these nyatitas mm. help you. They have people who come in to pray to them and ask for help for, you know, love and health and career advice. And it's actually rather feminist because, you know, of course, the Catholic, it's like, you know, one weird trick. The Catholic Church hates this. <laughs> but it's it's the way for, for these women in this community to, to speak, to like have these direct intermediaries to the beyond and to heaven that aren't the, the priests. And aren't yeah. these kind of more formal men who have the power? They're like, oh, we'll just bypass you and and send all our prayers through these skulls that we've adopted and adorned and and brought offerings to. And that's the kind of the the kind of exactly what you're talking about, right? Is taking these mm -hmm. these rituals and melding them into something that's meaningful for you. And that's where that's where the Catholic Church really shines. I feel yeah. is those sort of hybrid situations. Yeah. Well, for me, as someone who is a self-identified witch and uh, practices witchcraft today, it was not a far leap. You know, it's like <laughs> kind of the things, kind of the things that I was taught early in life with Catholicism taught me how to create my own rituals um, while practicing witchcraft. And I am definitely an a la carte spiritualist. I'm also very pragmatic. I also like, I also love to find the scientific explanation for why certain rituals work. Like I like to kind of figure out what this ritual does for the brain that then is beneficial for the person so that I know I'm coming at it from like a pragmatic scientific angle, but then also making a choice to incorporate spirituality into it because I have room in my brain and my heart for both. Um, I, I love that. I think. <laughs> I'm so glad you say that. We, we say that all the time. And when I think about ritual around death, 
mm-hmm. is very similar because you're you, when you think about the academic definition of ritual, the one I like to use is a combination of a physical action and a belief action. Mm in your brain. So, you know, if you have your, your, um, your mother has died and she's laying there, if you just walk up and, and pat her and leave, that's not really a ritual. Or if you look at her across the room and you're praying, that's very helpful maybe, but it's not really a ritual. It, but it has to combine some sort of, of actual physical action with the body and Mm. some sort of belief in why you're doing it. And that's really when, when a, a ritual is born. That makes so much sense. And it's something I've kind of been grappling with for um, a while in my life, uh, just with my own, the the family members who have passed and the circumstances around their funerals and something very um, distinct that I noticed. Um, when I lost my Uncle Mark, it was my first time being to an open casket funeral. And when I saw his body... It was very hard for me. I I was, you know, um, I, I, early teens. And I remember feeling like I was going to faint and my grandma having to kind of grab me and keep me standing because it was very jarring to see someone you know and have your brain say, you know that that person's dead, but be able to see them and and feel like they're just kind of in the room sleeping, you know? (laughs) Very jarring. By the time my grandmother had passed away, um, I was extremely close with my grandmother. Her death was very hard for me, but seeing her dead body, I don't know if it was because it was the second family member I had lost or... Uh, maybe I was desensitized to it, or maybe it was my connection to her. It was just easier. I don't know. It was uh, much, much easier. Now I've lost family members who uh, there wasn't an open casket funeral. It was my grandma who really insisted on open casket funerals. But for um, uh, my relative Frank, who was my step uncle, He died while I was in another country, and I wasn't able to come back for the funeral. And for my grandfather, he had a military funeral, which was not only close casket, but like regimented, no time for lingering. Everything was like, here's the service, here's the quick eulogy, here's the 21-gun salute, and that was the funeral. And with both those experiences... My brain has a hard time remembering that these people have passed away. And I almost, when I, when I remember that they've passed away, it takes me a second of like going through a mini grief every time because my brain hasn't registered fully that they're gone. I, and I feel it's because I didn't get that moment with the body to really let it sink in, to see the to see the dead body and have it live inside of my body that that person is gone. Um, so I, 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 I do feel that for me, there is a proponent, a proponent of closure to an open casket funeral, but that's not, ne- uh, it's not that I think it's the open casket funeral, but the moment with, with the person who is deceased that really creates the closure for me. I think your your arc with those different experiences is a very American one and one that's <laughs> one that's gonna, one that's going to resonate with a lot of people that are yeah. listening because this is is something I hear a lot and 
my my real passion in the funeral industry is to return to a time before the funeral industry was a business, which really mm. happened around the late 19th, turn of the 20th century. And what happened in that time is you had the men who began the funeral industry and to, to make all the money around funerals, you had to turn the dead body into a product. You had to turn the mm. dead body into something that they took away from the family because prior to that, it was just mostly the, the women in the household who would take care of the dead body and just it would be around. There would be your dead body. There would be your mom in the house hanging around for you to, to experience and, and really come to terms with what had happened. And when the body became a product, they took it away and they embalmed it. They chemically preserved it. They put it in the casket. They put the makeup on. And the the way that the funeral industry works, it became that they would present the body back to you, essentially sell the body back to you as this open casket. And not only has it been through a process that is not necessarily the natural process that would happen in the days mm -hmm. after death, actually quite different from that, um, but it really takes the family out of the equation and it doesn't allow for ritual to happen because if you mm -hmm. go to a typical American funeral home, you walk up to the casket and there's grandpa laid out in the casket and you notice his cheeks are very rosy and kind of, you know, almost like he's a little bit Botoxed yeah. and you <laughs> maybe awkwardly tap his hand and you keep moving. As I was saying, where's the ritual there? Where's anything yeah. physical combined with any belief? Where, where in that space is that allowed to happen? And so m my sort of deal about just keeping the body at home is that you then have control over what happens. And yeah. that doesn't mean it's not going to be messy or emotional or weird or uncomfortable at points, but that's the point. The point is you're supposed to yeah. go through all those things. And like you said, with your, with your other relatives, not being able to see them. And yeah, sometimes for price or whatever reason, that's what the mm -hmm. reality is. But if you have the opportunity to just spend a little time with a dead body as it naturally is, and it doesn't cost you any more money, I really encourage you to do that because it can really kind of kickstart and change how you feel grief and how you see the death. Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You know, I am such a fan of your YouTube series. 
And it's just, I love doing this podcast. I'm just going to say it because no, I don't know any other circumstance where I would have gotten to sit down on a Zoom with you (laughs) for an hour and have a mortician at my disposal to to process all these emotions (laughs) with. Well, listen, anytime my uh, my DMs are open. (laughs) I have to, um, I have to say, just pay you a huge compliment and um and really thank you for something. Okay. Um I watched a video you did on Dorian Corey and who of course is a legend in our community um who is infamous in our community because everyone knows the story or or everyone has heard the gossip or the rumor around um, the iconic film um, uh, Paris is Burning. Dorian Corey is a, 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 a drag mother in that and she's very grand and very captivating and it was later found out that there is a dead body in her apartment during the time of her recording her um, segments of the documentary, and it was later discovered after she passed away. Now, when I hear this even spoken about in my own community, it's just, can you believe it? Oh my gosh, what happened? Blah, blah, blah. And then I watched your video on it. And the time and care you took with it, explaining... I, I don't. There was just something so lovely, so caring, where you really tried to rebuild the circumstances of what Dorian's life would have been like at that time, what she must have been going through as a transgender woman at that time, all of the circumstances that could have played into why she has a dead body. And not a moment of it felt like it was like gossipy or or like um sensationalizing it just was so i i don't know i just so rarely see people taking that kind of time to put everything into context and i truly believe that context is everything because yes there are there are things that are just bad no matter the context but if we can understand the context we can find empathy and compassion for the situation and maybe try to see where there is room for understanding. And that's not easy to do around death. That's not easy to do around potential murder, but, um, I think, thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I think we're learning that like we need the context. I mean, how many women have been imprisoned because she killed her captor how many, you know, like how many women have been uh, just uh, uh, demonized for defending themselves? You know, it, it it just really, it really spoke to me and it really meant a lot to me to see someone in your profession taking that kind of time and care, care with it. And I think that's like, that's one of the reasons why... Um, I don't know. I I think, if anything, just watching your YouTube series has definitely 
helped me with my death journey. So if that is your mission statement, mission accomplished with this person. <laughs> it is. Thank you. No, I really I feel very seen with that compliment and I'm taking it in and I I really really appreciate it because that that is very much the mission and that kind of context because there's so much and th- honestly, that's one of the reasons that I still love YouTube so much is mm. that I have complete control over all of that. You know, if I had a show on TLC or Discovery, like, do you think I would be allowed to bring that kind of nuance to the story? And maybe even if I did everything exactly how I wanted to with the Dorian Quarry story, for instance, the preview, you know, on the TV is still going to be like, drag queen kills. Was it murder? (laughs) Probably yes. You know, and when you actually know the story, I always try with the context I always try and do the, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a duck. And within a story like Dorian Corey's, like it walked like a very difficult, complex, horrible (laughs) situation and talks and that, you know, so it's probably a a horrible, complex situation that is not, you know, this is a woman who, who had a very rich life in a, in a, in a community and all these things. It doesn't track with like also a murderer. Like that just doesn't make sense. So the fact that she had this body in the closet and when you know more about the man who it was and his own weird biases and his history of violence and sexual assault and and all these things about this man and probably what happened with their relationship and the very high chance that it had to be some sort of self-defense and then Mm -hmm. trying to just make it go away or cover it up because she knew she wouldn't get the help or support that she needed or any fairness around what had happened. It just, Mm -hmm. it makes so much more sense than like the drag queen who was a murderer. How who knows how many (laughs) corpses she has in her closet. That that just doesn't track with with what we know about the world for the most part, right? And it's not that, you know, it's not that wild divergent things can't happen and those are interesting. But when you have a story that, that is made salacious, especially in a way that, that almost threatens to, uh, dampen her legacy, which would be a tragedy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's really fun to be able to do deep dive dive research and create these stories around death that might be scary, but also to to make sure that the full, full rich context is there. And that's been sort of one of our our greatest joys in in working on the series. Um, just it really spoke to me and I hope that listeners um, if you are already a fan of Caitlin Doty and her YouTube channel and you should and you (laughs) and you haven't seen that video yet go watch it now Um, please forgive my ignorance Uh, I haven't seen every video um, that you've put out so I don't you don't have thousands of hours of time (laughs) on your hands I don't know if you've already done this but Please tell me, um, and I will go look it up right away. Have you done a video on um, the legacy of Evita's corpse, um, Ava Perón? I have. We have a a series called Iconic Corpse. I might have watched that. Actually, now it's all coming back to me. But (laughs) You're like, wait a second. I have in my mind this great story about Evita Perón's corpse. I'm like, yeah, I gave you that. (laughs) That was for me. I knew about it, if I have seen your video, because I feel like um, Kenny and I watched it, but because Kenny hadn't heard the story, I was a early life Evita 
fanatic. Like, I saw the musical, maybe like 13, the Madonna movie, which at least turned me on to the, mu- uh, the music. Then I listened to the uh, the Patti Lapone soundtrack. Evita was big to me. Then when I read her biography and I heard about all of the stuff that happened with her corpse, the man who was devoted to preserving her, like some kind of death queen, like <laughs> like a queen in death. Uh, if I could change my answer to what I want to happen to my body after death, if there's someone who has the time <laughs> to just like take me on tour. <laughs> I think I think if anyone is really well set up for that, I think it might be you. I think absolutely. And, and the coolest part about a lot of these these stories that we found over over working on them for because we had a lot of iconic corpses we sort of were like wait mm-hmm. this is an absolute delightful rabbit hole of these th-. sometimes not so delightful because sometimes it was marginalized people that didn't have yeah. much choice but but still the overall just men who have this like absolute obsession and just had their secret formulas and we call it their secret formulas because <laughs> it's just people wanting to preserve dead bodies and just tending it to like a little, um, you know, Japanese Zen garden for for years and years and years. And usually with these corpses, they also like Avita was in an attic at one point and got, you know, moved all around. And then she's in the crypt and then she's out of the crypt and all this time her face <laughs> is crumbling. But then we make her a new face and then we preserve this part of her. It's just and they just go on and on and on and are so, you know, talk about immortality. There's there's the immortality of the soul and the and the brain, but the immortality of the corpse is always so the most fascinating to me because you have this thing that's so well designed to just immediately begin rotting. You know, as soon mm-hmm. as you die, as soon as the blood starts stops flowing, it's supposed to bloat. It's supposed to, the bacteria are supposed to come out. You're supposed to decay. That's how the body disposes of itself. But the the fight against that. The like, do not go gently into the good night. We will preserve yeah. this at all costs. is is endlessly fascinating to me. And and Evita is one of our best our best <laughs> stories around that. Well, and maybe even, and maybe your future. <laughs> you know, I joke about it, and I and I used to have a plan B for the 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 space launch um, death, <laughs> um, but. My plan B used to be to be bronzed so I could be made into a statue and just, like, put somewhere. So if someone wanted me, you know, like, maybe it could be in my will that someone inherits the statue of me. Um, but I also think I, I all, all everything we've talked about, you know, what I feel like I'm leaning towards these days with my own philosophies, my worldview, my practice of witchcraft. I think what I'm leaning towards these days is something like the mushroom suit something that's going to help incorporate me into the earth and make my body, you know, beneficial to the earth I'm planted in. Because now I think, you know, I think with my, with my, where I'm at in life, what I would rather have is, is this a thing where you can be planted with a tree so that your body can, can, um, fertilize that tree and then your spirit can live in that tree. <laughs> oh, you've come to the right place. So let, let me let me sort of lay out your options as they stand right now. So you don't even, honestly, you don't even need the mushroom suit. Like your body mm. is enough. Don't, you know, mm-hmm. and, and we don't always need to buy more things around death. And just like, no, spend money, spend yeah, money. You know, and listen, I have a feeling your funeral is going to go all out. There's going to be no expense there on that. But for your actual body, 
mm-hmm. you're looking for something more simple or meaningful, I would recommend either a conservation cemetery, which are cemeteries that are dedicated to taking land that has been, you know, deforested or cattle mm. ranched on and rewilding it, you know, welcoming the mm. wolves back and the native birds and the native species. And in that case, you can be buried right in the ground, just in a simple shroud and a just tree. wet, wet mud. Yeah. Yes, just wet. <laughs> There's actually a beautiful one in the, um, in the wetlands in Florida, which uh. is gorgeous. Um, so that or the composting idea. And that's sort of a yeah. more urban idea where you're composted and then they take your soil out to a piece of conservation land and there you're not a tree you're more a forest so your yeah. your your soil is spread out to various trees to help them grow so it really depends on whether you want a single tree for you mm. or to be kind of spread out to various trees and that's something you can meditate on for a little bit here and come back to me with your answer <laughs> and the that that is really in line with I think where I am now and where I think I'll probably be <laughs> when when the time comes. But um, I also have to say, uh, uh, a friend of mine um, passed away very very early in life, and it was a really untimely, unfortunate death. And what they did um, was had just you know portions of their ashes put into glass beads and the glass beads were given. I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I, I know they, they were cremated for the beads. So I'm not entirely sure what happened to the rest of their remains, but I do know that everyone close to them had the option of getting one of these beads. And this bead is on my altar. This bead is there under the picture of my grandmother um, with all my other artifacts that, you know, power my altar and power me through my life. And there is something I think kind of beautiful about that. And even that I think helped me around my feelings with death, just knowing that like they're gone, but I have this little piece of them. And I know in, in in my mind, this is a little tiny piece of their physical form. And in my heart, it's like, they're still with me. So, and, or there's, you know, a a piece of their energy, it remains with me. So. That's beautiful. um, And I got, I got to say very Catholic of you. Very. (laughs) (laughs) Have those those physical bone relics. I'm a la carte, baby. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Got a little bit of that still on the menu. Um, so what is the name of your YouTube channel where we can see all of your series? It is called Ask Mortician. And frankly, since there's not a lot else going on, just mortician, you can type in. And, <laughs> and I mean, there are a, couple, there are a couple, couple new people who are also really great. But, you know, you'll see my big, you'll see my big mug and, you know, Evita Peron, Ava <laughs> Peron next to me and you'll know who it is. <laughs> you also are the author of um, smoke in your eyes from here to eternity and will my cat eat my eyeballs um three different titles <laughs> i have to <laughs> imagine they might all do with death <laughs> they do i don't i don't stray far from the homestead on that i don't you know i'm not not and one's a murder mystery no they're all they're all about death culture uh in the u.s and around the world um and Caitlin, I just, if people 
If people are nervous, I hope that they've listened to this conversation and they can't see you, but they'll have the picture on the on the promos. Listen, Caitlin is a just a really like if you were to learn about death from anyone, Caitlin is just a comforting, warm, gentle person to hear it from. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm sort of like the, the Miss Frizzle of death, like <laughs> taking you on a magic school bus through the corpse. Listen, doing my best um, to, to make you feel comfortable. <laughs> and um, I'd like to give my shout out to um, Connor in Liverpool. Uh, my dear friend, the forensic anthropologist and um, mortician, who is probably very proud of me for confronting some of my fears today. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. I have compulsory questions that I ask every guest. Okay. You can feel free to turn it back to the conversation of death, but also just answer them <laughs> however you feel like okay. it. <laughs> I don't have any answers that aren't death. <laughs> I have nothing prepared that isn't death related. <laughs> My first question is, who is your celebrity crush today? Ooh. I, okay. I've been watching some of Wednesday the mm. Adams Family new Netflix mm-hmm. show. And what it reminds me is that this week and most every week of my life, there's no one better than Angelica Houston uh-huh. as an aesthetic inspiration. And although I'm, I'm more Grand High Witch yes. than I am Morticia, but I just, I just love her. Angelica Houston is the Grand High Witch. Um, I've said this over and over, but uh, I liked the remake, but they they did Anne Hathaway a disservice, honestly. Um, They they gave her an impossible task. I'm sorry. That's not, I don't know who you would get, but it would not be Anne Hathaway. God bless her and all she does, but... I don't see why they couldn't get Angelica Houston again. <laughs> no. Or, you know, or someone who, yeah, just someone, you have to get someone who gets it at that level. Yeah. With the gravitas. And uh, I mean, I will say Octavia Spencer was lovely in the movie. I, I did like seeing, I always like seeing when a new take on um, a book seeing what things it adheres to with the book and what ways it rethinks it and recontextualizes it. So for that, I, and I don't think Anne Hathaway was terrible. I don't think she did a bad job. I thought she did a great job. She just was given an impossible task that wasn't fair. Impossible. (laughs) Absolutely impossible. (laughs) Built to fail on that. My next question for you is, are you spiritual? (laughs) <laughs> That's a good question. So here, so my my very good friend, Connor Habib, who is an occultist and a genius and a podcaster, 
he obviously is very spiritual. And we talk about this all the time because I think in the work that I do, especially as a, a public advocate, it's helpful for me kind of to be a blank slate and to not bring a real spiritual energy or any sort of like prescriptive mm-hmm. energy for what someone mm-hmm. should do or how they should contextualize death or feel about it. And that's, like, like a, the way a judge should be. Like yeah. a judge. Okay, exactly. <laughs> exactly. The way a judge should be. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, I try and bring that kind of, because I'm, I'm really supportive of people having spiritual relationships with death or even religious relationships with death or no relationship with death and, or, you know, one that's very atheistic or agnostic. Like I support all of those things. But as I get older, I, I'm I'm ready for my spiritual awakening to begin. It has not arrived mm. yet, but my door is open. And I, I would not be surprised if I found something in the coming years that was was very important to me and that I that I was able to do as a practice and that helped me in that way. So currently no, but door is open. Hands are open. <laughs> come come unto me. <laughs> um I I love that answer. Um, my final question for you, let's see if you can make this about death. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is your go-to karaoke song? (laughs) Ooh, can I make this about death? Um, I like, I like Sisters of Mercy. Which would is very is very gothy. I don't know how death that is. Maybe <laughs> maybe Dead Man's Party by Ongo Boingo. <gasps> that's a great it's the Dead Man's Party. <laughs> <laughs> you know that 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 really or, gets the crowd going. I think Oingo Boingo is <clears throat> an unsung hero of the 80s. Absolutely, you know 100%. I don't feel like they get enough credit. Yes, um, for for the music they unleashed into the world. <laughs> Yeah, I'm with you. It's it's Oingo Boingo and Angelica Houston. I'm sort of somewhat <laughs> dating myself, but also justice for these Listen, for these acts. The internet exists. You don't have to be any age to like anything these days. Yes, hundred <laughs> percent. Get into it. I mean, Kate, think about Kate Bush and the Stranger Things. Exactly. Revival. Finally, exactly. Queen Queen Kate getting the the flowers she deserves in the new generation. I mean, couldn't agree more. I do a big bit about it in in the in the holiday show this year. Oh, I do need uh, to see where this. Do you, where in the world do you live, Caitlin? <laughs> I I actually just made the leap from uh, Los Angeles, and now I live in upstate New York. Ah, oh, if you were, we already did New York. If you're still in LA, I could have gotten you into the show. If you go back for Christmas, okay. Well, <laughs> in the next three days. <laughs> Now, now my people have your info. My people will, will talk to your people. <laughs> Wonderful. And you can, you can um, talk to me and we can talk about death all you want. Before I close out this episode, this is unrelated to your work. Um, well, first of all, thank you for your work. It, I am, I, I'm not just a, I'm not just a podcast host. I'm also a fan. Um, so thank you for your work. It's working for me. It's helping me. I appreciate it. Um, thank you to Kenny who brought you into my life. Unrelated to your work, I am just going to say to you, your hair, perfect tens, always, always just laying perfectly, your bangs, shiny, full of life. You have like, <laughs> uh, I, I, I only know two morticians now, and I've got to say, morticians are attractive people. <laughs> 
Well, wait, wait till I uh, go in for your orbital bones. That's that'll be that'll be when I first meet you. I'll just slide my hands behind your head, right and behind my little... ears. Yeah. <laughs> then, see, then we'll... see, yeah, see what Connor was talking about. Get, get yeah, in on this. Exactly. I'm like Connor. You were right. You were not lying, my friend. <laughs> Um, do you have uh, anything you'd like to promote or um, where can my listeners follow you? We know that your YouTube channel is Ask a Mortician. I found you on Instagram by just typing in your name, Caitlin Doty. <laughs> yeah, the, the Good Death is uh, Twitter and Instagram. But honestly, again, <laughs> I have a corner on the market. Just type in mortician somewhere and you'll <laughs> you'll find my little my, my little hair that jinx is talking about the little bangs <laughs> will crop up and there she'll be uh, not unlike the grand high witches hair in the original not the unlike not unlike <laughs> I, I i like to give credit to the inspirations where where they are due and i'm glad i got a chance to do that today and thank you for having me. I'm such I'm such a big fan as well. This is I'm so glad we got to do this. And hopefully we will um continue to be best death friends outside oh, of this. Absolutely. Um thank you so much. Thank you, Caitlin. And I'm just you know what? Godspeed on all your work you're doing. <laughs> Same. Thank you. And I'll, t- I'll take speed. that. I'll take that. <laughs> we're, we're about to, we're at the final stages of legalizing human composting in New York. So I'm stressed. So to have this kind of thing to do instead and focus on fun and light <laughs> has been awesome. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And thank you all so much for listening to Hi Jinx here on the Forever Dog and Moguls of Media Network. My name is Jinx Monsoon, and we have new episodes every Wednesday, so make sure to search for Hi Jinx on your favorite podcast app and hit subscribe. You can follow me at the Jinx on Instagram or at Jinx Monsoon everywhere else, and I'll see you next Wednesday for some more Hi Jinx! To listen to Hi Jinx one day early and ad free, sign up for Mom Plus at mompodcasts.plus. Hi Jinx is produced by Moguls of Media, aka Mom, hosted by me, Jinx Monsoon, and produced by Joseph Shepard. Editing and sound design by Will Pitts, executive produced by Willem Belli, Alaska Thunderfuck, Big Dipper, and Joe Cilio.